got to travel with some of the best CEOs in the country. You know, I could be with Michael O'Leary one day, bringing him in to meet some of our investors. And you get to spend two days with Michael O'Leary, traveling around and sitting in a car, going between meetings and talking to him and going for dinner with him. And like the work ethic is just, it's just nonstop. And he's just so focused and believes in everything that he's saying. And it's not all just hype for the, like there's hype for the media, obviously. Mm. And there's, he's a brilliant marketer and he knows how to play that game. But when he's in a meeting, there's nobody better than him. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Gary Talks. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by one of the owners of Kilkenny Architectural Salvage, Harry Maharaj. Harry grew up in Kilkenny with his two brothers and on leaving school, went to college to study something far removed from his dad's family business. Indeed, both his brothers did the same. However, on graduating as an engineer, he then embarked on a completely different career, working in assets management for a big firm where he travelled the world, rubbing shoulders and dining with some of the biggest heavyweights in the Irish business sector. He learned a lot from these encounters, which he shares with us, and they helped him define his personal vision as he then left his full-time job in Dublin after eight and a half years to return home and take on the family business with his two brothers and grow it to a new scale, embracing all the advantages of digital technology and system management. He also started to learn about marketing and has grown the business from zero to now 50,000 followers online in just a couple of years. And that following is driving lots more online sales as well as visits to their yard. This is a story about constantly learning, driving yourself and developing your vision. So sit back, relax and enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Harry Maharaj, one of the co-owners of Kilkenny Architectural Salvage. Thank you for joining us on Gary Talks. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. Now, for anyone listening to this podcast thinking it sounds a little bit different, we're actually, we're over at the Ice Cinema because on this day, the 16th of March, 2023, the electricity went in the east of Galway City, affecting nearly 10,000 homes and businesses. We've been without electricity all day. Traffic is crazy. Mobile phone networks were down. And Harry got to witness Galway traffic. <laughs> it was a pleasure. So it, it took me 50 minutes to travel two kilometers from our office to the Ice Cinema, where they kindly let us in and set up shop there today to run GK Media. And Harry's come in to join us this afternoon. We were to do it this morning. We didn't know what was going on, when the electricity would be back. It's still not back, but here we are in the eye. Yeah, slight delay, but we're getting it done. We're getting it done. So thanks a million for coming on the show and no joining problem. me and being so patient because you did come all the way from Kilkenny this morning. Yeah, no problem at all. <laughs> delighted to come up. So it's been a long, long day. But what's really cool about your business is you're the largest architectural salvage yard in Ireland. Yeah. And the business was set up, you're 25 years actually this year. Uh, yep, this May we're going to be 25 years. So big, wow. big milestone for us, yeah. So explain for those who don't really get the concept of, you know, what... You know, what is a salvage yard? Like, how do you how do you make it into a business? Yeah, so like an architectural salvage yard is really a place which is just a complete mix mash of everything and anything. Obviously, you will have the things that you'd expect, like your building materials, your timber floors, your timber beams. You know, they're kind of the the bread and butter of what every salvage yard will have. But we're very lucky that we have quite a large yard. We have about six acres of outdoor space and kind of about four or five thousand square foot of warehouse space. So then we can branch further into things like pub memorabilia, furniture, and everything and anything in between. You know, like we've had confession boxes, we've had life-size horses made of buffalo bone, we've had everything you can imagine, all the way down to the simplest brick. But the beauty of our place is that it's kind of one of those places you go for a walk around, you think I'm going to go buy X and you leave with Y. You know, it really is that kind of place because something just catches your eye and you just, you weren't expecting to see it there. And for us, it's it's always keeping that eclectic mix of items there because it just keeps it so interesting for people when they come in. But do people dump stuff there or do you go out there and find materials and say, oh, we could do that up and that could be worth something to someone? Yeah, no, we're, we're out buying all the time. Like we're probably the, 
biggest buyer in the country in and terms of salvage. where'd you go to buy? It, one day it could be going to someone who's just clearing out some items from their house. It might be somebody who's, you know, been living in their family home for 30, 40 years and maybe they're downsizing to an apartment. They don't have the space for maybe some of the piece of furniture that they've had. Next day it could be a pub that's renovating and we'd go in and buy the whole bar, the pub stools, everything, sure. the pub signs, all of that. And the next day it could be a five-star hotel, which could be you know, you could be having pieces of furniture or something different coming out of there. And often in those kind of businesses, when it changes hands, maybe as owners, the new owners coming in just want a new style, want a new look. So there could be a couch or something that's coming out that maybe they spent thousands and thousands and thousands of euros on, but the new owners have a new vision for the property and they're moving stuff on. So we can buy it at a good price, pass that on to the customer, obviously make a few euros in between. We have to run a business, but pass that value on to people as well. So it's really anywhere and everywhere. So it's not, a lot of people think, oh, you're just going around rummaging around skips, maybe looking for bits and pieces. <laughs> it's not really our type of thing. You know, it's, it's, it is going and dealing with people one-on-one, -on -one, building up relationships with them and people having the trust in us that they know who's turning up at their door if they're going to be buying a few items, you know, because that's, that's very important for people. It was definitely the pub memorabilia that caught my eye because I think it's so cool to have items like that. Even in a new pub, you know, the old bits are just in your home or if you have a little speakeasy for yourself in your well, man cave or man, something. The man cave has been yeah. the biggest thing over the last few years. <laughs> and thankfully, we, we, we were able to enjoy that and have, a you know, we've, I think, four or five hundred different pub signs in the yard at the moment. So oh. there's, there's something for everybody there, you know. So could I call you if I was moving house and, you know, we did well and won the lotto and I say, OK, can you come to our house? Because there's loads of stuff I want to get rid of. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly what it is. Usually people call up and say, look, as I said, either we're downsizing or maybe somebody in the family has passed away and the family home has been sold or it's just, we just want to get a few euro for these few pieces that are around the house that we don't need anymore. They'll call us up, they'll send us some photos and we'll let them know whether it's the type of thing we're interested or not in. But more often than not, we are. And we'll travel around the whole country and be buying all the time. Like every day, our business is two parts really. It's the buying and the selling. But the skill is behind the buying and being able to buy good items at good prices. But that's that's kind of the plan really. And did you do any sort of refurbishment or anything? No, to be honest, we there are some yards in particular more so in the UK that do that. Nobody really does it here. We, we've just found it's far better to pass on a cheaper price item to someone so that they can go and maybe get, you know, the footstool reupholstered yeah. or, you know, maybe the top of the sideboard needs to be sanded down and revarnished. Because if we go and do that, by the time you put labor, you put everything on top of it, the price just starts getting higher and, and higher. And you've and higher. no guarantee it's going to be sold. And you've no guarantee it'll sell. And then you're you're playing now to a different demographic as well and where budgets are. You know, if it's a high-end piece, then yes, it might be worth us going and doing it. But the majority of stuff, it's let the person go and do it. Because it, as well in the world of upcycling and all of that, you don't know what finish somebody wants on their item. You know, we could go and get it back to looking like a beautiful mahogany piece of furniture and the next person who buys it is like, no, I wanted to paint that pink. Mm. you know so you kind of let people do what they want to do with it and they can go to someone who does that all day long they'll be able to get a good price of that and still be coming in way below what they'd be looking at if they were going buying a new equivalent piece somewhere what's really cool is you only have come into the business recently so what you did at college is so different to what you did then career-wise and what you're doing today in the business is so different to what you did yeah before that so bring us back to you've grown up in beautiful Kilkenny City yeah it's your dad's business, Robin, and you decided that you wanted to study mechanical engineering. Yeah, so I, yeah, was in Kieran's College in Kilkenny, as my brothers were as well, and um, basically, yeah, I went up to Dublin, studied mechanical engineering, maths, physics was always kind of my strong suit, and coming out of secondary school, like everyone, didn't really know what I wanted to do, I'll go do a course that I think I'll be successful at anyway, and I know I'll at least get through it and give it a good go, and I was probably about halfway through that and I was kind of like, yeah, I'm good at this. I was kind of, you know, the grades were all very good. I'd always kind of done well on that side of things, on the academic side. But I was like, I don't really want to be an engineer. I know I don't want to be sitting in an office drawing up plans or working on that type of project or building a plant or whatever it is or working on cars, designs. So I kind of was just thinking about it and I said, well, look, let's just run out the next two years, finish out the degree and really just see what I want to go and do. It was the same with my two brothers. Connor ended up doing, my younger brother was studying neuroscience. Paul was working in the travel industry. And we were all kind of, when we were younger, we know there's a family business in the background. You grow up when knowing there's a family business there. It's what you talk about at the dinner table yeah, when you come yeah. home. But our parents were always very good. They were never 
those people who kind of pushed you at 18 to say, don't worry about college, don't do that, just come into the family business and you can work here for the next 60 years. They said, go out, figure it out, do whatever you want to do. And if you ever want to come here, touch wood, there'll be still a business there, but you're more than welcome to come and join in and see what you can do, but go figure out the world. And, and if you don't, no problem. At the time I was coming out of college and I was kind of looking around and I was helping a bit at home and then completely out of the blue one day, I got a phone call to see would I like to go for an interview in Ireland's largest stockbroker, Davy Stockbrokers. And I said, okay, it was 2010. The world was in absolute despair, as you can imagine. Being a 22 year old, I was a bit oblivious to that, but anyone who had been working or running business knew that we were in the depths of a recession yeah. at the time. And I said, okay, I'll I'll go for this and give it a go. No finance background. And basically just said, look, let's just see what happens. Ended up getting through the rounds of interviews there and been extremely honest, I think, in those interviews when I was, you know, you go through it and they're talking about your degree and all the huge questions and you're waiting for that one question, you know, what stock would you buy? And I just sat there and I was sitting in front of the head of the sales desk at the time who was a pretty intimidating guy, you know, he was well known in the market. And I just said to him, I couldn't tell you one stock that you should buy, but give me six months and then I'll be able to tell you something because... I'll put my back into it and I'll know more than what people who've been here for years will know. And, you know, that's kind of my mindset and I'll go for it. And he just said, fair enough, you can start on Monday. And literally that was on a Friday and I was in two days later sitting in the trading desk of the biggest stockbroker in the country. And did you enjoy it? Oh, it was brilliant. It like, was did brilliant. you watch Wall Street for research? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> look, you, you, you see Wall Street and you see the Wolf of Wall Street yeah. and all these different movies that are there. And there's parts of them that are obviously true and there's parts that are obviously highly exaggerated. But And there's parts I, you wish were true. Well, there you go. No comment. But it's, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those places that I just... I love sales and I've always been into the sales side of things, but obviously had to learn how the market works and go down that route. But I was very lucky. I was working on an institutional equity desk. So we were dealing with big pension funds, big hedge funds, not just kind of, you know, a normal person who's maybe has 10,000 euros to invest or they're doing their pension. This is professional investors globally not just in Ireland. So within about six months or so, I was kind of flying to New York every two, three weeks. I was in London every second week, going meeting some of the biggest hedge funds and pension funds in the world, like guys whose names are in books that you're reading about, you know, and getting to sit in front of them with our team and talking through Irish stocks. And, you know, to be immersed in that, there's no better education on how the world of business works, you know, and I got to travel with some of the best CEOs in, in the country, you know, I could be with Michael O'Leary one day, bringing him in to meet some of our investors, some of his current investors, some potential new investors. And you get to spend two days with Michael O'Leary traveling around and sitting in a car, going between meetings and talking to him and going for dinner with him and like, you know, baptism of fire as well. But and did he impress you? Oh, unbelievable. The work ethic is just it's just non-stop and he's just so focused and believes in everything that he's saying and it's not all just hype for the like there's hype for the media obviously mm. and there's he's a brilliant marketer and he knows how to play that game but when he's in a meeting there's nobody better than him and like that's sitting in front of guys and he'll be essentially convincing them why they should be putting 500 million or a billion euros of their fund into Ryanair and buying up you know, 5% precision in the company. And yeah, he lives and breathes it. So yeah, no, absolutely loved it. I did about eight and a half years of that and got to meet some great people. It was great fun. You work hard. Yeah. Like you definitely work hard. You're sitting at your desk at quarter to seven every morning. You're, you know, you're not leaving there before six, seven o'clock in the evening because you're just trying to catch the US market then. But it was great fun. Yeah, hard to do if you have family or you want to have a social life, but great to certainly do in your 20s. What did you learn, though, from even, you know, those Michael O'Leary's, those those big heavyweights in the business industry? What did you pick up on from the, them? The, the biggest thing with those guys is, is it's knowing your product and really, really knowing your product. You know, like Michael O'Leary will put his hands up and say, I don't know anything about, you know, some other random industry, but I don't care about that. That's not what I get paid for. That's not my value add. And And I think lots of people can get caught up thinking, I need to know everything about everything and you don't you just need to if you know your niche on and you can really go in depth on it there's going to be nobody better than you on that and if they are then you have to up your game and that's competition and that's good for you but that's that's the biggest thing that when you're there you feel the passion for their industry you know they know obviously what's going on and 
a global level and they have to be following, you know, macroeconomic trends and all of that. But they know, using him as an example, they know everything that's going on in the airline world. Or you look at someone like Albert Manifold, who's in CRH, you know, biggest building materials company, essentially nearly in the world. He knows everything that's going on, all the moving parts of that. That would probably be the biggest takeaway that I get from them that, and that they're just normal guys. Mm. You know, there's, they're obviously extremely smart, but they're hardworking but they are normal people who are just really good at what they do. And that kind of gives you the confidence to kind of go, well, at the time, obviously, I was in my early 20s. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah I can I, I can sit down and have a conversation with you here. You know, I'm not, there's obviously levels of intimidation and levels of experience. You know, you'll never have that, but you can have those conversations and feel, you know what, I can, if at some point I'm not in this environment and I'm out working for myself, running my own business, yeah, I can give that a go. Over the last few years, certainly a few years ago, people became Bitcoin experts and they were all investing in that and the kind of the bottom of it fell out for a lot of people in the last year or so. But even recently, I was having a conversation with someone and they were saying, oh, my friend took in a six-figure sum last year mm. trading online. And recently I spoke to someone else and they got involved in some other trading thing and they were making huge percentage huge gains on it so it's something always there but what are, what are your thoughts on that whole bitcoin era and people with limited experience in trading getting involved in it yeah it's 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 dangerous for people you know like it's and obviously when you get into the world of bitcoin and everything there and it's been extremely volatile and i think that's probably the word that people have to be aware about you know people go back horses they go bet on the football they can bet on the stock market and they can bet on something like bitcoin you know when it comes to the stock market there's fundamentals behind it you can do work you can follow companies someone who believes in bitcoin will say the, the same thing there's fundamentals and that's uh, that's fine as well but it's the person who is literally maybe on their revolut account and now has access to being able to trade when you know 10 15 years ago you had to go through an effort to be able to set up a trading account. You had to go to one of the big brokers. You had to fill out paperwork. You're, you're some way vetted to make sure you can afford to lose what you're putting down. Whereas now there are people who are just trading these like crazy. And some people are very successful at it, maybe due to the luck or due to their own skill. But when you're winning, it, you don't care which of those it is, whether it is luck or skill. So I think it's something that people just have to be aware. If you're taking a longer term view on it, then that's no problem. But if you're the person who is trying to, look, I'm trying to double my money in a week. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. And the big, big boys who do this all day and have 20 computer screens and teams of 15, 20, 30, 100 guys doing it, you know, they'd be doing it as well. So, you know, it's just to be aware of that and be prepared to lose what you're putting in. If you're in that mindset, then that's fine. You know, yeah, I would just say to people, just be be cautious do some work on it, do some research on it. Don't just go, my mate at the pub last night said Bitcoin is going up tomorrow. You know, like that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't really cut yeah, it. Yeah. And people can kind of get this fake confidence that it kind of comes into it because they get a little bit of a couple of up days or they just happen to get lucky. And now they actually go and put five grand onto their account. Yeah. Whereas before they were trading around at 500 quid and hopefully they can afford to lose that. But now five grand is a lot of money. Mm. So it's, it's, that false sense of security can be very dangerous for somebody. There's plenty of people who are making careers out of it and, you know, good for them and they've been able to leave jobs and trade it and you just hope that they are building their nest egg at the same time and pulling some money out versus being an all-in and hoping that it stays going up. Yeah, like we'll always hear of the success stories. You never hear of the losers. No. You know, you hear of those who made it when they went to Hollywood. You never hear of those who didn't. Really. Yeah, exactly. And what about pensions? What are your thoughts on pensions? It's one of the most important things you can do in reality. And it's it's something that's funny, even in my own group of friends, we have our own little WhatsApp chat where we're kind of talking about the market and stuff. And it's in the last couple of years, a lot more talk around pensions and everything like that. But I, I think it's something that Ireland probably lacks on somewhat that there's not earlier education around getting it set up at the start, even if it's 20 euros a month that you're putting into it, 50 euros a month, whatever it is, you know, usually most people who are coming out maybe out of college or in their first job, you know, they can afford to do that. I know they want every euro they have and yeah, yeah. things like rent are obviously expensive if you're in places like Dublin, so every euro counts. But at the end of the day, if you can actually get that pension going at 
the age of 22, 23, anything sub 30 in reality, it is going to stand to you. You know, in 35 years, it's going to be just worth so much. Now, it might be not be a huge number, but it's going to be, it's going to just compound. And that's, you know, I'm a big Warren Buffett fan and that's the ultimate philosophy behind it. Just let money work for you over time. So yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, even now I have my own kids and my mindset around that is how do we start setting up systems for them so that you can get that money working for them over 40 or 50 years because back to your point about Bitcoin, it's volatile. The stock market is volatile as well, but over time it should continue to rise and, you know, all going well. And if you're there long enough, those recessions will just, you know, they will just blend into that graph going up, hopefully. Yeah. And I suppose you can adjust the level of risk, whereas with Bitcoin or something, you have no control over that. None. Whereas with your pension, you can go five star, one star, that sort of thing. Exactly. And you can, and as you age and you get close to that point in time, you can, you know, you can flex that accordingly from between stocks and bonds and cash and do all of that. But it's, it's, it's something that I think there's just too many people out there who don't have that pension will be reliant on government pensions, which they will get a shock at some point, you know, and obviously pension ages are pushing higher and higher and retirement ages are. So no, it's something that like, look, my world of what I was doing in Davy wasn't dealing with normal people and dealing with pensions, but it's something I started personally early because I just, you just found it, just started. And once you start it and the little bit of money that comes out, you, you won't miss it then because it just becomes a normal bill. Yeah. And if you can think about it that way, it's definitely something that I'd recommend anyone whose kids are coming out of college and just push them to try and get something set up. And lots of companies have great pensions now, you know, matching and, you know, you put in 5%, they'll put in 5% and you can start building up a pot quite yeah. significantly. So you're in Davy Stockbrokers for eight and a half years. Yeah. And then what happens? Yeah, like I'd been doing it, give or take eight, nine years and... The family business was still going on in the background. It was just my dad and he had one other colleague who were essentially working with them. So they were just, they were running a very comfortable business there. They'd been there the guts of 20 years, had survived, enjoyed a boom, survived a recession. So surviving was probably, you know, it was hard, but it was testament to what the business they had built that they were able to get through because a lot of businesses didn't get through that 08, 012 period. Yeah, so I'd been there kind of, call it probably about, eight years or so and I was kind of I was still enjoying it but I just wasn't enjoying it as much and I was kind of probably getting to that point where I was starting to think about kids space buying a house and kind of started having those conversations at home funnily my two brothers were thinking the same thing and we didn't all just the three of us didn't sit down and have a conversation over a few pints and kind of go all right let's all quit our jobs go home and see what we can do with the family business and shake it up literally over the space of about six months the three of us ended up making those same decisions and the lads paul and connor were in the same kind of mindset it was like look we're in, jobs are fine we're enjoying it but we were all in dublin and none of us had bought a house and it was kind of a case of you know there's nothing tying us to being here will we go home and give this a go and I kind of started thinking about it and my wife was from Kilkenny as well so that obviously made the the move easier it's always easier when the two are from the one place and then we said look I really want to go for this and I'd been helping a lot with the business in the background for kind of a couple of years anyway and so had Connor and Paul and it was kind of it's it's ingrained in you as kids you know it's without even trying you know it's just part of you but it's just a case of do you want to go for this and that's it's it is a moment when you kind of go right, let's, let's do this. Let's leave the well-paying job in, you know, a very good industry, good pension, good setup, meeting amazing people and drop it all to go and take a chance. You know, at the end of the day, it was going into an established business that'd been there for 20 years, but it was in no way a business that was sustainable enough for all of us to be coming home and No, because it was you, it was your dad and someone else. Yeah, exactly. And Three of you were rocking up then looking for a full-time job. (laughs) And and that's essentially what it was. But we were very lucky that it was kind of timing worked for us as well because it was, the business was very much a traditional bricks and mortar business. People come down to the yard, they walk around, they pick something up and they leave. We had a website that was very much a brochure, just about functional website. It was rarely updated with new items. Whereas the salvage yard has new items every single day. So what we kind of came in was kind of going, right, Online is our push here. This is how we can really grow and scale this business to allow us fit into it and make livings out of it. And we really just started pushing that. And we went from literally having in the space of about three year period, zero followers on social media to 50,000 plus 
without spending one euro on advertising. We haven't spent, like, you know, you see Instagram ads, Facebook ads. Mm. We haven't done one euro of that. We've just done it all organically by just putting content up ourselves. Like 50,000 people seeing stuff that you put up is, is amazing. And we've been able to transform the business by doing that. I've often had people come on the show who have, you know, a huge following on social media. And I still haven't found the answer as to how one grows so quickly online. Yeah. Like, how is it done? It's, there's a couple of things with it. And like, I take care of most of our kind of putting items up online, but there's a team, obviously Paul is the one who takes the pictures. Connor will do maybe a bit of the work on the background of an item. And then that's passed to me and I might put it up on social media. Being consistent is the biggest thing. And there's nothing harder to be consistent when you're getting two likes or three likes yeah. and you kind of go, oh, do I really want to be doing this? And and there's times to post and usually it's posting in the evening at like six, seven o'clock when you're catching people finishing dinner, having a cup of tea, they're scrolling on their phone. You want to be posting at those times. And it's it can defeat a lot of people as well. And that's why so many people fall away or you see so many company pages that literally have like, 400 followers 500 followers they got a little bit of a rush and then it just plateaus and then they stop you have to be consistent so that's one of the biggest things on it and like we've been now posting probably about four years i think we've missed maybe three days four days in four years where we haven't posted something oh so you're nearly posting every oh, day we post every day oh, and wow. now for the last year give or take six months to a year we're trying to post anywhere between three and five times a day an item a video something it doesn't matter what it is we're and would that include on. stories or is that just no grid? that's actually on the grid wow stories will be replications of what's on the grid as well and then other bits and pieces just going up that is actually on the grid and that is on instagram facebook tiktok linkedin pinterest twitter all of them the exact same every day so the key has been consistent and, and doing it so that's five items on each of those platforms yeah We'll put the same five items yeah, up yeah. on all of them. So you're, you're doing the same work for one, so you may as well be posting them on all of them. And again, a lot of people give up because they go, Instagram is great, that's where I'm getting my big yeah, following. Yeah. And they don't bother posting on Facebook. But there's a completely different demographic for each of those. And then now TikTok has obviously been the big one that's come out in the last year or two and has probably stopped a lot of people because it has to be video you know, and you have to now start putting your face on it. And lots of people don't like doing that. And we've just embraced it and said, let's just go for this. And as a family business, that helps because people want to, they, they buy into who you are then, you know, and they can kind of go, they come down and they go, oh yeah, yeah, I follow you on TikTok. And they, they recognize you. So you're not calling yourself a friend to them, but they're like, oh, I know who you are. You know, I've heard you speak. I liked what you spoke about. And now I'm standing here in front of you. So can you show me those benches we were look, talking about last week? And you're building a relationship and a rapport with people. But it's, you know, going viral is obviously the dream. You know, yeah. you want to go up, put a TikTok video up and it just gets a hit. And next minute, a million people have seen it and your followers goes through the roof. But it's, that'll just happen randomly. You can't, there's no magic formula for it or else it wouldn't be there. You just have to kind of just be consistent, put stuff up. And we always take the opinion and whether it's very simplistic or not is if I have a nice, you know, piece of a garden bench in stock, I just need one person to want to buy that bench out of the 50,000 followers I have. You know, I'm, our items are all nearly one-offs in a lot of cases. Some items we have multiples of, but more often than not, I just need one of those people to like that and come on, buy it and that's technically a successful post, you know? It's funny, I was at an event during the week and there was a CEO of a big business there and he started chatting to me and I didn't know he knew me that well. Mm. And he says, oh, I'm listening to the podcast, Gary Talks. I said, oh, great. And he goes, yeah, and I love watching the video clips on TikTok. On TikTok. <laughs> we have this perception that it's only kids yeah. on TikTok. You know, we, we never would we imagine someone in a suit and tie, CEO of a big organization, that they would be on TikTok on their couch on a Friday night, yeah. scrolling up and down. And, and they are. And it's yeah. amazing the amount of people who come out to the yard and, you know, more often than not, actually quite elderly gentlemen coming in who, who you would expect to be the person who doesn't even have a phone in their pocket. And he go, he walks up to me and I'm kind of going, God, this has a bit of something behind him. He's coming up to ask something, you know, real assertively. And he goes... I love your TikToks <laughs> and I, or I loved Connor's TikTok the other day or whatever it is. And you're like, oh my God, 
and it, and it blows you. But the point about that is, is that's why you have to be on these things because you just don't know who's watching them. And there are obviously lots of haters out there and there's always going to be people who will throw abuse around and TikTok probably has that a lot more than what any of the others do, which can be intimidating for people, but you just have to take that on the chin and keep going. And that person wants to throw a nasty comment, just leave them to it. And nine times out of 10, the people who are watching it are normal, happy people who are delighted to see it. And if they don't, they'll just not follow you. And that'll take care of itself. Yeah, like unfortunately, that is the other side of it for those who have grown so well online is there is the backlash. There's so many, you know, opinionated, narrow-minded Muppets out there who have to express their yeah. wonderful vision of the world and opinion on you to you. Yeah, yeah. And you, you just, look, we've, it, obviously the first, the first one hurts when you see those comments and then eventually you just kind of go, look, this... Life is too short to be worrying about these things. Just get on with it. And if that's what someone wants to say or do, leave them do it. We just keep focusing and our aim is just keep having happy customers. And if you have thousands and thousands of happy customers, you're, you don't have to worry about your business because our business in particular, people come back because they're always wondering, God, I wonder what they brought in next. What's on next week's delivery? What's coming in from next week's job? So they keep watching. We're very lucky that we have that eclectic mix of, you know, I'm putting up different items all the time. You know, if I just sold baths, it's hard to take yeah, 100 yeah. photos of the same bath, you know, and make it look interesting and keep the attention. Throw different people in it every well, day. Well, there's a new listen, person maybe, in the bath. maybe that's it. Maybe that's <laughs> it. And that's, that, but that's, but that's what some of those people are doing. And that's great because they can, they can actually go a bit viral or do yeah. something a bit funky and with it and it and it works but we we just try to keep that mix of eclectic items that you see in the yard on our socials so when you scroll down through our feed and through our grid you kind of go yeah this is a place i want actually i'm in galway i'm going to jump in the car when there's no traffic and drive down to drive down to kilkenny and go and have a look around and we have that we have people coming from all over the country down to the yard and kilkenny is absolutely lovely i was telling you yeah. earlier this morning when we intended to record for the electricity cut. That's just such a beautiful city. If you're listening to this and you've never been to Kilkenny, it's definitely worth spending a couple of nights there. It's a pretty place to go to. There's a low sea with the castle, Smithicks, and maybe a salvage yard as well. Yeah, and we're, we're very <laughs> lucky where we are. We're only two or three minutes outside the city centre, but it's an old woollen mills. So this build, this site has been there since the late 1800s. Lady Desert actually owned it. She would have been one of the gentry of the time and built most of Kilkenny, actually. And it was one of the biggest employers. And then my granddad bought the site back in the 60s. So we still have the old original chimney that's on there that's going 70, 80, 100 feet up in the air, all the old warehouses and then the grounds and we're down on the River Nore right on it. So, you know, it's a real idyllic type place to walk around, literally three minutes from the city centre. And uh, But no, Kilkenny is, we're very lucky that Kilkenny is a nice place that people are kind of going, oh no, we're going to go down there. We have a wedding or we're going down for the night. And like, we get a lot of people messaging us saying what hotel should we stay in we're coming down to see you okay. and it's kind of it's 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 humbling as well that people you want to sort out commission there what, yeah time. exactly yeah commission with a few of the <laughs> another income stream well, thankfully we've sold to most of the hotels so they're all customers so we're happy to push business their way as well but it's no we're very lucky that people are willing to jump in their cars and come down and and see us and it's an industry that there's not many people doing what we're doing at some sort of scale, there's lots of guys who have, you know, a small garage and they're selling a few fireplaces and a few bits and, but it's, you know, the lad next door type of thing. Whereas, you know, we have a big business there that people can come down and spend two hours walking around and still not see everything. And you can sell through your website now. Yeah. Was that a reaction to COVID when everything went online? Yeah, it was. And it was something that we were thankfully had just before COVID had kicked off, we had kind of made those upgrades. And it, it's a hard one in our industry because you're not just dealing with one-off items that you have to obviously be watching. Did it sell off of the yard floor or is it sold off the website? Get it out quickly and marked sold. But also it's the logistics and transporting some of our items is quite difficult. You know, they're not all, you know, there's days when you're there loading up a van or sending it out with a courier. Go, God, I wish I just sold pillows. You know, it'd be far easier to just pack them up, send them out, not worry about breakages or the weight and will there be someone there to help the driver and all of that type of thing. So, yeah, no, we set up the website probably about six months before COVID kicked off to be able to sell and then obviously went all in on that during COVID because, 
you know, we were all shut down. But thankfully, there was still activity around people doing up their gardens, doing a bit of work around their homes. Obviously, they didn't have tradesmen, so they weren't laying floors, but they were still doing a little bit of work. And But the garden was the big thing. And then the home bar that we mentioned earlier on, yeah. you know, I think anyone who got away with it built a bar out the back and were buying pub signs and different bits and pieces and whiskey barrels from us. Whiskey barrels was one oh, of the big class. ones. Yeah, yeah, we had... Typically, at any point in time, we'll have anywhere between a thousand and two thousand whiskey barrels in our front yard. All the like older, they come straight from the distillery, so they're a great feature. So they were flying out, obviously, the whole way through COVID. Class. Oh, you give me so many ideas. <laughs> but the other thing about what you're doing as well, and it's so important in today's corporate world, is this whole thing of, you know, recycling, sustainability. People realize that it's not just a buzzword now; that it's important that we embrace and you know remodel our businesses to become sustainable you know ethical companies yeah yeah it's huge but it's something that you've naturally kind of been doing for over 25 years yeah exactly and that and that's how dad ended up setting up the business initially like he was working over in the uk and similar to us he was working in the pension industry as financial services and had a real estate business as well. And basically he was doing up an, our, what became our family home, an old Georgian house, but was pretty rough and ready when he bought it. And at the time during kind of the early 80s, there was so much renovation going on through London. He said you could literally walk down the street and a house around the corner might be taken out a front door. But again, similar to what I said about hotels, when a new owner comes in, they just have a different vision. Yeah. And that door was nearly been lumped into a skip. And he said he just, that was kind of his initial first itch of kind of going, God, you can walk around the place and there's actually real items with real value and like 40, 50, 100 years left of life in them. And that was about to go to a skip and or be burnt and thrown on the fire, you know. And that's where he got that initial feeling for it and kind of, basically did up our whole home through salvage materials and all the work himself. And then when he came home to Ireland, he was looking at different ideas. And obviously we had the site there because it was in the family. And then he just started going to auctions and then kind of the whole circular economy and recycling, like that didn't exist 25 yeah. years ago. Nobody thought about that. But there was a real opportunity then because obviously through the boom years, people, you know, had an extra few euros. So they were kind of going, well, actually, I want the old original trough outside the front of the house to put the plants in, you know, and or I want the famine pot as the feature or whatever it was going to be. Yeah, he really just started growing the business there. But he's like when you actually think about it, the amount of CO2 that he's offset in the last 25 years because of the amount of recycling that we have done is is phenomenal. And we focus the whole business around that, you know, and the younger generation, I think, like, you know, anyone who's buying their first time home now is very aware of that. You know, they don't all want their home to be, you know, just another Ikea sitting room. You know, there's nothing wrong yeah, with that, yeah. but they want to add a little touch to it in a different way where someone walks in and goes, God, where did you get that little coffee table from or whatever? And they go, just only paid 20 quid for that. Yeah. You know, and well, there's heritage in that as well, you know, it's kind of... And quality yeah. as well. More often than not, those pieces that have been around 30 years will be around for another 30 years. <laughs> it's kind of, It's better than the stuff you can get well, nowadays in some places. Well, it is, and it's and not particularly cheap either. You know, the new stuff is not cheap. Yeah. So people, look, it's it's getting that mix. There's some people who are all for it and their whole house will be that. And that's not for everybody. But most people now are looking for that piece or just something different. And again, it's back to my point what I said earlier. They come down looking for a fireplace because they want to put a nice cast iron fireplace, but they end up going home with a nice little sideboard that they didn't expect. Mm. That's what our business relies on. We're delighted with that. But they're also delighted because they've found something and they're is giddy I don't know if giddy is the word but we often see people being giddy putting stuff into their car and they're God I can't believe I've got that today yeah, I'm yeah. so happy I can't wait to go home and show you know my partner or whoever it is who's at home that look what I picked up today so that's a real excitement for us as business owners and who's worse is it the women or the men for the shopping there it's both and it's it's different areas and yeah it's, it's either or really, to be honest. They both, everyone will have different opinions on what they should be doing, but we do hear a lot of, come on now, we're going, let's go. <laughs> we've, we've been here long enough and that could be from either or. Okay. And uh, we do get a bit of that. But as I said, we're the type of place that people are usually walking around for about an hour. So, you know, maybe it's someone is just done or it's like, no, we have enough items. Let's, let's, yeah. let's go. But we're very lucky that most, more often than not, people don't leave with nothing. They usually leave with something, even if it's a small little pub sign for 10 euros they've picked they pick something up that's a birthday present for somebody but yeah no it's our job is just to keep it interesting and that's what's so exciting for us as you know 
myself and my two brothers coming in, we're all going out buying now as well. And that, that was the thing that we all had to learn from dad because he has 20 plus years of experience. Say when we moved down, we could all, we were all relatively in sales type of jobs before. So, you know, selling you can learn mm. and there's obviously experience and skills you can bring behind it. But the buying is the really hard part of our business and you have to buy at a good price so that you can pass that on. But you have to know what actually is value because you only have so much space in your warehouse as well. You know, we don't have endless square feet. We don't have an Amazon warehouse, although we'd love to have one that big, just fill it up with stuff. You have to pick and choose your battles as well. And just going back to marketing, because you move from the whole financial and equity sector into marketing and that's not what you did in college either. No. So, you know, obviously you had to learn marketing from scratch. And what were the big things that stood out for you on that journey? Yeah, I think initially it was just putting yourself out there, I think. And back to that point earlier about nearly just putting your face on video and not being wound up that the video has to be absolutely perfect. And I think too many people are too slow on their marketing because everything has to be edited and they edit it and they edit it again and they redo the sound and they go through all of that process. Like not every video I do, I do it in one take, but a lot of the times either myself, Paul or Connor will do a video. Yeah, perfect. Ah, there was a bit, you stumbled a bit there. Or you kind of fumbled around the words there. Fine, put it up. Let's move on. Because mm. I, I think marketing needs to be fast. It needs to be quick. And the world is so quick moving now in particular with things like TikTok shorts and YouTube shorts people are literally scrolling and you think when you're doing a video every single follower is going to watch this yeah. three minute video they're not mm. they're going to watch the first 10 seconds and then a few people will watch the whole thing a majority will be gone and on to the next thing so you need to just keep keep pushing and keep going with that but no the general marketing and like as I said I had no background in kind of digital marketing or anything like that. Now, my wife has a degree in marketing, so that helped. So she was able to give me a few nudges when I was kind of maybe going the wrong way or this or that. But it's, you just have to, it's it's not make it complicated. I think you can overthink it and just end up in this stalemate of not really doing too much or going for a big grand plan and we're going to do a big launch in three months time instead of kind of going, just, just go for it. You know, go for it now. And if it doesn't work, learn something from it. And go again and just kind of keep growing on that and like we've made lots of mistakes as you're doing stuff and you know not having maybe the experience on a certain item and you know maybe you're getting caught on selling it too cheap and you know but that's that's all a learning curve as well on that side of the business but yeah I think just just going for it really is you can read all the books you want but until you do it and yeah, like I'm yeah. a big reader like I'm big in big business book reader and I read all the books from all the big names but you can read all day but until you actually hit post or you go pick up the phone and do those type of things nothing is going to happen for your you know a small business you know we're a small family business so you have to do things to actually impact that business give me three business books you've read and what you took from them three okay <laughs> <laughs> put me in the spot usually if i was asked one that's okay i had said earlier like like warren buffett is a big big person obviously i was in the markets for a long time his autobiography snowball brilliant book big book Connor's actually just started reading it last week I gave it to him and he kind of looked at me as oh god I'm gonna be reading this for months I said you won't you'll start flying through it biggest thing with that book for me is just taking a long-term view we're not running a business to get paid this year and that's back to our point about Bitcoin and everything earlier or to get a hit next week yeah you'll get good hits on certain items and you'll have good months and bad months but if you take that viewpoint and I, I was only talking about this with dad the other day he was like you know i've been here for 25 years you need to think about the business what it's going to be like for the next 25 years and that's buffett's whole philosophy around compounding and letting thing letting time do the work for you so just keep doing the right things and the business will just keep getting better you know at the end of the day even if it's only one two three four five percent a year improvements in what you're doing and that's not necessarily bottom line profit improvements yeah, that's yeah. just you know the layouts or better price tags or it's just whatever it is around the business if that's getting better by five percent a year in three four ten years you're going to see huge differences so that's that's one of the best books i've had and then i'll give you two because the third one i'm struggling in the background thinking of tim ferris's book for our work week is something that i read it quite early in my time in working in davies and 
it impacted me a bit there, but since I've come home, it's been huge because it's not necessarily the whole gimmick of, you know, getting down to four hours a week and whatever else for work because that just doesn't exist if you run your own business. Mm. But it's the efficiencies and automation behind things and trying to, because we're we're kind of a business where it's not, a lot of businesses will have one owner and then he'll hire some people underneath him and they'll be doing different jobs around the place. We're very fortunate that we have five owners, you know, my two parents and then my two brothers. So if I'm not there, I know that the business has been pushed hard in the right direction because we're all pushing in that one direction, hopefully the same direction all yeah. the time. But if, you know, I need to take a bit of time back or, you know, there's family things going on or you're away, you can have that belief that the system and the whole company is pushing in the right way. But it's, automating your roles in ways that the other lads don't have to worry about that if I'm not there for a week. Just like if Connor is away for a few days, his kind of jobs will be taken care of or simplified to the absolute basic that I don't need the whole in-depth knowledge he has on something, mm. but no one else would know. And that's what that whole, what I'd have taken from that whole kind of four-hour work week is how can you free up your time that if you want to go to the gym, you can go do that or if it's have more time to be able to grow the business in other ways and I can jump in the car today or in the van today and come up here and do a podcast with you. I'm not kind of bogged down with, I have to be here because I have to be posting five times today and then yeah. I have to get the, the accounts done and then I have to get out and sell some flooring to some people. You're not caught up in that, you know, that vicious cycle where you can't get away from it. And I think you need to be able to step back and look at your business as well. And you can't do that if you're just caught up in the nitty gritty every single day. So that that's probably the big thing that I would take from, from that book is just get a, as efficient as you can not to the point where it's beyond and you're actually getting no benefit out of doing it, yeah. but get it as efficient as you can. You were doing a cool thing today as well. When I just gotten off a two hour Zoom meeting, so I said I'll just escape for a while and go online. And sure enough, there was Kilkenny Salvage live on Instagram and you were in the middle of Air Square. Tell us what was going on there. Yeah, so it's it's something it's our second time to try it where basically it's called Searching for Salvage. Paul came up with the name actually and I thought it was, it was, it was a good name on it. And basically what I'm doing is I'm three or four days before I'm announcing I'm going to be in a city or a town. So on today is Thursday. On Monday I put up I'm going to be in Galway on Thursday at 1.30. Secret location to be revealed on Instagram and TikTok Live. First person to come and find me and shout out searching for salvage will win a hundred euro voucher for Kilkenny Architectural Salvage. Oh, because you had two phones with you. So I one was Instagram, the other one was, was Instagram and one was okay, TikTok. Yeah. So I had the two phones going. We did it once before. We did it in Dublin and we were actually found in seven minutes in Dublin. A man had changed, he changed two meetings <laughs> so he could have a late lunch and jumped on a bus to come in and he found me in Stephen's Green in seven minutes and it was, it was brilliant. And like, this wasn't an idea we came up with. I saw a man who does it over in the UK. He's a watch company over there. I saw it on TikTok and I was like, that's just brilliant. And you know, what courage to, to try something different. And I said, will we try this? And I went home and I said it to the lads when I did the first one and they're kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, mm. whatever you're into, you know, type of thing. You're going to be on an Instagram live for an hour and nobody's going to come <laughs> near you. And do you have enough things to talk about? And, um, and I said, oh, well, listen, I'll talk all day, but whether people will be bored or not, I don't know. So we did it and that was a success. And then a couple of months has gone by and we were just obviously busy. The same, you get caught up in the business and I'd wanted to do another one. And then when we had kind of organized that we were going to be jumping on together today and a few deliveries that I was able to do, I said, well, look, I have a gap there for an hour. So I put it up and I was there now and the weather wasn't great. It was on and off. It was very busy over there and I was kind of like, oh, someone is going to come and find me. Like, it's Galway. Like, you know, there's, there's plenty, there's, there's enough of a population. Someone has to be following. And I said I was going to do an hour and I was found after 57 minutes. Okay. So I, I had three minutes to See, go. They, they probably found you in the first minute, but they oh, couldn't yeah. get to you because they were in traffic. This, well, this is the other point, actually. I was only thinking that when I was walking back. I said, anyone who thought about maybe jumping in a car and flying down five minutes down the road even was like, well, that's not happening. Yeah. And it was the luck of the draw, whether I caught someone who happened to work some way around Air Square, was having their lunch and was scrolling through their phone. But no, a young guy, Sean, found me and he was delighted. He had actually walked through Air Square, saw me walking around with two phones and didn't pay much attention to it. And he's like, oh, that was a bit odd. And then he was walking to his bus stop and ended up having been walking for about 15 minutes and was scrolling TikTok and next minute saw me again on his phone 
and then heard me mention first person to come up to me will win a hundred euros and he legged it back he said he basically ran mm -hmm. 15 minutes back and found me and it's great because he's that guy is that he's in college he's about to say to chat with him afterwards he's studying dog grooming and he's about to open his own business and i said we have loads of lovely little dog ornaments and little sculptures and statues and some funny signs i said you can kit out you know you'll be able to get some nice pieces now to kit out the decor in the sure. in the grooming stage and he was delighted with himself because he's a young guy starting up now and 100 euros will go a long way to putting yeah. a few bits and making it look like he's been there for five years you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. but it's just a bit of fun and it's something different and that's what marketing is you know you can get caught up in all of the reading the books of it and the terminology and the different theses of doing this that and the other just go for it and give it a go. And like, I, I was defeated. I was, I, I was worried actually. I said, God, I have to go do a podcast after this. Now my voice is already getting a bit rough from talking for an hour, let alone go do another hour. And I was like, okay, guys, we're basically done here. And next minute I saw someone out of the corner of my eye shouting, searching for salvage, kind of nearly running across air square. And like, you get a good buzz from that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a bit of fun. And that's, that's the beauty of running your own business. You can try something, you know, if, if I'm working in a big institutional company or big corporate business, you could be pushing paperwork for months to try and let someone try something that has the potential to fail. Yeah. It'd be yeah. like, oh no, no, it's not worth, it's not worth kind of getting egg on our face or someone seeing it not work and let's not do that. Whereas like, if that didn't work, I'd have gone home and I'd have probably got a bit of a slagging from my brothers or whatever. And, but all in good faith, you know, and having a bit of fun with it and it worked and we've now potential new happy customer who will come down. There was nearly over, there was over a thousand people joined the live over the space of the hour. It's a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, it's brilliant. Who will more than likely kind of go at dinner later. Oh God, I was watching some lad on Air Square today talk about, and now they're talking about your business yeah. as part of their normal evening, not so-and-so was pitching me their company. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just part of it. So yeah, it was a bit of fun. That was brilliant. Fair play to you. I might know the answer to this already, but I'll ask you. Who inspires you, Harry? Inspires me. Yeah. Our parents have really done a lot for us. And that's not just in the case of allowing us to join their business, <laughs> to put it bluntly. No, no, they've, they've done a lot and they've kind of teamworked it very well over the years. Like dad was running the business and mom was taking care of us at home as we were growing up and we were given every opportunity that we could want, you know, from playing sports to academics to being able to go to college and do all of those things. But the biggest thing that I have now and have realized that they did, and I mentioned it earlier, was given us the freedom to go and see what the world is actually like and not pull us in. Because I know friends who work in family businesses who were pulled in at 18 or maybe they were, I don't want to say let go to college, they went to college, but then it was a case of you were coming to join the business. And I can see it in them. They don't, that's not what they want to be doing. You know, we all made that choice to come back. So yeah, no, definitely from, from our parents, you know, they've, at the end of the day, they've reared kids they survived a recession set up their own business did all of that all the while us not noticing any of that as well you know i was in college and my younger brother paul was working my older brother paul was working at the time but connor was in secondary school all during that recession and you know we not to say we were oblivious to it but we weren't far from it because they were just working hard grinding it out to make sure that we had anything that we wanted to do so now that we've kind of come in hopefully we've been able to add some value to it and i think we have and they've been delighted that they can kind of like i won't say that dad will ever retire because usually someone who sets up their own business never retires but he's been able to step back from the day to day what he loves doing has been out buying so he's actually had so much more freedom now to be out in the van meeting people going doing jobs clearances and doing all of that and giving him that freedom i think is huge for him but no i think from from an inspirational perspective they've raise their kids they've run a business had the good times the bad times and the good times again through recessions and booms and busts and covid and everything on top of it and come through it smiling you know and that's there's not a lot of people who can say that they've done that and as me having my own kids now and my own family and stuff yeah it's it's very inspirational to kind of to learn from them and still be learning from them you know we're very lucky that you know, I have lots of friends again who see their parents once a month if they're lucky. Some mm. are even longer if they're foreign. You know, we see each other every single day and we haven't killed each other yet. You know, <laughs> there's 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 times and of course there is. And that's that's part of it as well, because that means if there's a bit of friction, that means you're actually 
trying new ideas or you're not agreeing with something, but maybe you'll come to a, a conclusion that neither of you thought about. You know, maybe both of you are wrong and the other brother has to come in and go. Or, or go, it's the know. sister-in-law stirring it. Well, listen, that, that's, that's always one of those things. But it's, it's, we, we have a good dynamic between us and we're all enjoying it. And the aim is just, as I said, back to that point about taking the long-term view. It's just keep growing the business and keep making customers happy they will come back and that's that's our job every single day find good items at a good price and keep people happy then really with them a lot of people have struggled during the first quarter of 2023 number of factors for that including inflation and energy costs what would you say to someone in business who maybe they can't clearly see that long-term vision anymore and they're struggling and they're questioning what they're at what would you say to them it's a tricky one because we've thankfully say between myself and my brother well we can say we've been there we were only there three or four years but we had to get through covid right and everyone had to but usually you know it's nearly like a badge of honor i survived the 80s recession i survived the 90s i survived this and that okay we can say we survived covid i would say try and talk to a few other businesses and actually try and get a bit of a not a network going with other people who are not not even competitors or anything but just other businesses who, you know, maybe they're struggling as well, but they might give you one idea that they thought of that made their day or their week or their month just that bit easier in terms of grinding it out because that's what it is for a lot of businesses now. You know, we've been very lucky. We actually have a relatively low cost base in terms of running things because we're not running big machinery or big air conditioned units that some businesses are and getting those bills and, you know, it's it's heart attack stuff. You know, I can only imagine what it's like when someone opens up an ESB bill and it's for 10 grand for a month or two months or whatever it is. Like, it'd be heartbreaking. But I think if you can talk to some other people who are maybe in the same situation, you know, hopefully you won't all die in doom and gloom and bring yourselves all down. You're more than likely you'll actually be more positive when you talk to somebody else than what you're thinking, standing in the shower, thinking the world is over. Mm. And every business owner has that, you know. Even in the good times, when you have a bad day, you go, well, that's it. It's all over. That's <laughs> Recession is here and it's like one day. Mm. And the next day you do double the amount and you've balanced out that quiet day. And every, I think, entrepreneur has that. But I think, yeah, if you can get out there and talk to some people and just try and find one good thing that you can try and fix and go at it. Like, look, not everything is fixable. You know, sometimes if a bill is just high and it's going to catch you, it's it's going to catch you, unfortunately, but, and just get those costs down everywhere you can, you know, and that's one of the biggest things is back to my point about Michael O'Leary, you know, their Ryanair low cost is, they live and breathe it. You know, I was with him, we were in New York once and one of the lads was in a meeting with him. I'd been with him the meeting before and it's a funny one because the, the client came in and he had this pen that was this gold diamond encrusted pen and you know, he was, he wasn't far off bragging that he had this pen that was worth 15 or 20 grand in the meeting to Michael O'Leary and halfway through the meeting, the pen wastes and Michael, without even flinching, opens up his jacket pocket and throws, throws four Hilton pens out onto the table and goes, <laughs> they were all for free in the hotel last night. You can use any one of those you want. That's how the man thinks, you know, he's taken those couple of pens They were there. I've paid for them in the hotel room. They're coming back to the office. And that's, that's what they do. They live and breathe that. I have another friend who works in there and it's, you bring your own pens to work. You know, that's how Ryanair operates. The CFO went into that company and he came out of a, another big company that would have probably been, you know, all the bells and whistles. And he went in there on his first day as like number two in finance. And he was like, go find a chair. And he was like, I'm coming in as, and he, he tells that story to investors. He said, that's how we operate. It's not a case if I walk in there and everything is pristine and ready to go. We are 100% focused on costs. There is a chair here somewhere for you, but go find it. You know, we're not buying a brand new chair to slap it in there so that everyone feels all warm and fuzzy. It's all about costs. And I, I think that's the biggest thing for a business, in particular these times with what we've dealt with, with inflation. Because yeah. you haven't been able to control the cost of buying stuff in at the moment. It is what it is. And we got caught with that as well, like everyone did with the price of containers and stuff coming in from the Far East. It just skyrocketed during COVID because we bring in a lot, you know, reproduction items, cast iron benches and things like that. And everyone got caught on that. But if your own cost base is as managed as possible, you know, not to the nth degree, but as, as best as you can, it will put out some of the fires anyway and hopefully help and get through that. 
as we wrap up, your dad even spoke to you about your vision for the business for the next 25 years. Mm. What is it? It's for us, it's just in the simplest form is just keep growing the stock. That's the way we just look at it. You know, we really, for everything that we do, which sounds like we do a lot of marketing and we're real customer focused, we're actually, that's just a byproduct of what we're doing. Really, it's just keep growing the stock because the customers will come. And if that stock just gets bigger and bigger every year, more interesting every year, at some point you're going to stand, and dad says it now, he steps back now and goes, God, look at how much stuff is here. Because he can see what the warehouse and the field looked like when it was empty. He mm. has that vision. We don't. So he can imagine that again. Whereas now we're at the point where even three years ago, we look at it and go, God, I saw, I took a picture the only recently of an area. And then I looked at one that I'd taken three years ago that I'd sent to a newspaper. And at the time I was like, this is a great picture. I'll send it to them. And then I retook it again. And I was like, it looks like a different business. So it's just keep growing the stock. And that's, 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 the vision that we'd really have everything else will take care of it if we own the stock the stock is there people will come down and the selling will hopefully take care of itself brilliant if people want to check out your website yeah so it's yeah so it's uh, eurosalve.com or if you google kilkenny architecture salvage and then follow us on social media gets updated every single day and probably the best way for what we do the website probably once a week i update but social media is every day and uh, you could win a voucher you could win a voucher <laughs> yeah where's where's next we're in galway today we don't know where we'll do maybe cork will be next month we had a few people asking for us to do that so yeah and join our newsletter as well actually that's something we're doing a lot of work with on the email side of it kind of goes out twice a week with new bits in and and if you see something be quick because you're not the only one looking at it and more often than not they're one-off pieces and there's someone else dialing that number to try and get it before you so if you like it in the salvage world grab it don't miss the opportunity harry thank you so much thanks gary for coming to galway apologies about the electricity no problem the traffic <laughs> the mobile networks everything just coming to a halt and continued success with your business thank you and you too Thanks again to Harry for travelling all the way to Galway last week and joining me on Gary Talks. And thanks also to the Ice Cinema for helping us out that day. You'd be glad to know electricity was restored that evening at around about 7pm. For more information about Kilkenny Architectural Salvage, head to their website, which is eurosalvi.com. Thank you for listening. And as always, you can support the show by telling your friends, colleagues, siblings all about Gary Talks and connect to me directly by following Gary Talks on Instagram, TikTok or LinkedIn. Have a great week and I look forward to talking to you again on Friday for a short bonus episode of Business Bites. Take care. Music.